Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Adam Castor. Here, as always, my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, how you doing? I'm good, Adam. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing happy Wednesday. Good. Happy Wednesday. Well, this will be coming out on Thursday, so happy Thursday. <laughs> happy whatever day, day of the week it is. Happy Thursday. Sure. Let's How's your that. Thursday, Adam? It's great. I'm off from work. My parents wow. are gone. Wow. I, although I shouldn't be saying that, but... I, I'm off from work. Um, probably going to end up watching, you know, staying in watching a movie. I'm actually planning on watching. Have you ever seen Shazam? I have. And I've heard uh, I, it is very good. I'm really looking forward to it. It's very good. I think you'll like it. I love those DC. I love, I mean, I'm more of a DC fan than Marvel. And uh, yeah, I, I really do like Billy Batson and Shazam whole, whole I, bit. I, I more lead on the fence. I, I kind of, you know, I kind of dabble with both sides. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm not going to get into a whole like flame war about this sort of thing, but I just think that, you know, so like some of DC's movies are like different and like, it feels like all the Marvel stuff is just like the same. It's like all made on, on an assembly line. Yeah. Yeah. They do. They do kind of have, similar quality but they kind of take it off of each other it's kind of, that's kind of what they have to do because they're, they're in the same genre so they kind of i don't know if they're, you're going to have one movie that is just so distinctly different than any others because they're all they're all the same superhero movies kind of well besides I mean, the characters of course well that's the thing is like you can't just because they're both superhero movies you'd expect completely different things from a superman movie and a batman movie and a green lantern movie Yes, fair, fair. I mean, listen, listen, I want, I want everyone to just make note that there will never, ever, ever be any superhero film quite like The Dark Knight. That's true. That is, that is peak superhero film. I don't even know if I would call it a superhero film, Parse, because it was just so brilliant. Well, okay, that's not see that what you're saying there is that superhero films are inherently bad because you're willing to not call you're willing to say a film is so good that it's not a superhero film. I think it's not, I think an argument can be made that it's not a superhero film because nobody in that film has powers. They don't have superpowers. Fair. And that's the Christopher Nolan thing. I'm also one of I'm also one of the guys that looks to hate on every superhero movie that I see. So I just I inherently just go into superhero film expecting it to be terrible. And if I'm relatively impressed, then happy days. But if I'm if I'm not impressed, then I kind of said, OK, I thought it was going to suck. It sucked anyway. Not my, not exactly my cup of tea. Understandable. But yeah, I that, that's just my thought on it. I just think that, you know, a lot of the Marvel movies like a lot of the early ones are really good. You know, I, I do. I'm a big fan of like the first couple of Iron Mans. Um, oh my god, the first couple of Iron Mans were brilliant. And but like late, but like you know, Avengers was pretty good. Also, but I mean, yeah, Avengers was good. Avengers was good. After a while, they just kind of took like the whole comedy, th- like the like everything has to end on a, every scene has to end on a joke, like every. Everybody's so like lighthearted all that, the time, no matter what happens. 
that kind of started though with with Guardians. Yeah. Guardians was kind of the one that really kind of sent that in in, in that direction. And and to be for, for what it's worth, I did not like Guardians all that much. A very, yeah. very unpopular take, I, I I'm sure. That but is a very unpopular take. A lot of people love that movie. A lot of people love it. Yeah, not me. Okay. It was it was fine. It was fine. Like, was I entertained? Yeah, sure. But well, was I'm it not like crucify you here? Is it a movie that I'm going to go back and watch again in my my spare time, like I would for Casablanca or Gone with the Wind? No. Those two I could watch fifteen times and still shed tears at various moments. I got that. Yeah. Well, I just think that it's like all the characters just seem like like they made them all like homogenous kind of. And I mean, there were a couple of movies that kind of broke the mold. I think Black Panther was a really good example of that. Yes, Black Panther was very good. It was very, very, very good. But um, the rest of the the rest of the movies are just like, oh, it's you know, just we're fi- we're fighting a villain and we're making a bunch of jokes and then we're going to go out for shawarma, like that. <laughs> fair, fair point. But um, I wish that like. Like with DC, you have different superheroes. You have different superhero movies. And I don't know. I mean, it's whatever. I just wish that for both big companies, like you'd have superhero movies that were more reflective of the actual hero. Where like you could make a movie about the Flash and it could be like a Marvel movie because that's the kind of part, that's the kind of character that he is. But then when you make a Batman movie, you can make it like Batman the Animated Series or The Dark Knight. Well, they have to they have to make it appealing to the mainstream audience as well, because that's what that, that's what they're going to make most of their money. That's where Dark Knight just succeeded in every way, shape, form and color was it not only attracted the diehard Batman fans. But once the diehard Batman fans saw it and then word got out about how great it was, the mainstream audience then, then came along. Like I'll be the first one to say, yeah, I'm not I'm not like a superhero comic book guy. But Dark Knight, you know, heard about it. And I was just like, OK, I'm going to go fucking watch it. That's me. That's mainstream. That's what I'm talking about. But then when I saw Dark Knight, you know, I said, oh, OK, I'm going to go watch. Go, go back and watch Batman Begins. Then I'm going to watch Dark. Then go back and watch Dark Knight again. Then eventually when that came out, Dark Knight Rises. Same thing. So you just complete, you complete the, the, the trio. Yeah, I get that. Which is what I did. And, and Batman, Batman Begins was good. Dark Knight is a masterpiece. Dark Knight Rises slept on. I agree slept with you. Slept on because everyone, because everyone just kind of goes at Bane. I like Bane. I thought Tom Hardy played him very well. I think it was interesting because I was so used to how he was portrayed in the comic books with the, with the vet, with Venom. And it didn't, I thought it was interesting that they didn't cause like hat, like literally all the way through the movie, I was like, why the fuck didn't they use Venom? That's like a defining character trait of Va- of Bane. Right. But I mean, it works. It works in the sense that Christopher Nolan wanted the whole trilogy to be about people who don't have superpowers. Um, yes, yes, that, that, that's 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 true. It, but again, it all goes back to 
there were certain parts of the comics that Christopher Nolan, I guess, strategically left out. And there are a lot of people who were pissed off that Venom was one of the things that Christopher Nolan just left out with Bane and probably his most, I, I, I guess, sought after quality that they wanted in the film. And they just completely said nothing. I would say uh-huh. defining character trait. Defining character trait. That's a good way to put it out. I mean, there's some part of there's some parts of um, Nightfall, which is what the story was based on, that they kind of missed in the movie too. Because there's like, you know, the whole situation of like who takes over for Batman once Batman's back gets broken and when he's recovering, like that sort of thing. Well, obviously, it's Jogo Levitt and Robin, of course. Great guy. So, yeah. Right. Great guy. Anyway, we have a bit of news and notes that uh, we want to talk about here, and it's about lower body injuries because I feel like we're gonna we're gonna be talking about a lot of lower body injuries heading into the season. Oh, we will. We'll be talking a lot of, a lot about lower body injuries in today's episode for sure. <laughs> yeah. So the first thing is so just to follow up on our Carson Wentz discussion. Carson Wentz has decided to get the surgery and also Quentin Nelson, his main protector has, is getting the exact same surgery as well. I mean, you just can't make this stuff up. This one, I'm going to leave untouched because there is a question in the mailbag about this. Okay. I'll leave this one slightly, slightly untouched. Okay. Um, we can talk about the giants. Yes, we know that you, absolutely could talk about the Giants. I know that you, you would love to talk about the Giants. Oh, please. It's my favorite pastime. Kenny Galladay with a hamstring injury, not believed to be serious, which is good for people who are interested in Kenny Galladay. Same injury that kept him out to start the year last year. Not good. I'll tell you what. When I think it was, it might have been Costello, Brian Costello of SMY, who put, tweeted out a video of uh, Kenny Galladay leaving Giants practice. Yes, it was. It was. It was. I was on Twitter yesterday. I was like, ah, God damn it. This again. I sent it to a few people, and uh, I think they all kind of were in the same boat of we are not accepting comments at this time. (laughs) I will not be be taking questions. I will not be be taking any questions at this time. No comments. But, I mean, it's good that he was walking, at least. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is a that is definitely a good sign. But Although if you can call that walking, it's more like limping. Yeah, exactly. But it's not like he had anybody with him. He was just going, he was leaving by himself. It's not like he had anybody helping him. Yeah, not a good look though, considering I mean, this is this is the same injury that he started the year with last year, and he was limited to five games. Yeah. Four or five games. So yeah. Uh, not not good, not good for anybody that was looking to uh, go and invest in a uh, Renaissance New York Giants style offense under Jason Garrett. May I add? Under Jason Garrett. Um, well, I'll tell you what: the Giants' offense does have a lot of fight. <laughs> <laughs> that was well done. Very well done. Very well done. I, Adam, I couldn't have come up with a better joke myself. 
That was brilliant. They have a lot of fight. Oh, yes, they do. And uh, yeah, listen, this, this stuff happens in practice. Usually we have to wait until uh, intra-squad intra practices before we have a fight breakout. But here we are. Um, yes, fights happen, of course. But do fights happen where the quarterback ends up at the bottom of the pile? No. Okay, there we go. Not usually. Usually it's between linemen. Right, and, and DBs and receivers. Yeah. There's a lot of hand fighting, push comes to shove. Like Logan Ryan going at Evan Ingram or whatever way it was, other way around. That's fine. That happens. But it's when the quarterback jumps into the pile and there's a full melee going on. That, that's where the problem begins. How stupid. How stupid. The guy, the guy has a red fucking practice jersey on. Apparently the Giants don't know what red means. Red, Giants, means you don't touch your fucking quarterback. You do not let him get involved in skirmishes. Nobody had, nobody had the processing ability to even try and pull Daniel Jones out of their number one. Number two, Daniel Jones did not have the intellectual ability to process that, oh, maybe I have this red practice jersey on for a reason. Maybe I really shouldn't be going in, you know, diving into the middle of a fucking fight between guys who are much bigger than I am. Literally playing for his ca- This guy is literally playing for his cash next year. Yeah. Playing for his job next year. And he's going to go into going into a fight in practice. Yep. And he didn't even do anything. He was just, he just, I don't even know. Did he hand the ball? Off? Like he, it was a running play, right? Like he just handed the ball yeah. off. It was a running play to Corey Clement that Corey Clement took up the sideline. And Logan Ryan, I think, hit him late. And then Evan Ingram blew him up and fight was on, baby. Yep. And then Joe, Ju- and then Joe Judge gave him a, uh, a hairdryer, I believe it's called. A dressing down. A dressing down in the dressing room. See, it wasn't even in the dressing room. It was on the fucking field. Oh, so it's a pu- no, yeah, it's a public hairdryer. I think is it's what a public hairdryer. Yeah, yeah, they were they were on the field, and from what I had heard, was they were doing hundred yard sprints, push ups, more hundred yard sprints, more push ups. You know, there, there, there are two ways that a, a situation like that evidently goes, right? One, it's the team does become more disciplined, more united, more closer together, and they rally around this and everything is A-OK. The second is the players get pissed off. There's locker room division. Uh, the coach takes the brunt of it because the coach somehow gets... I guess labeled as he's treating this like high school instead of the pros, which is how I, a lot of people took that on Twitter yesterday on Tuesday. Well, I think, listen, I've never played down of organized football in my life, but I'm pretty sure anytime you do something wrong, you're, you have to run yeah. In football. Yeah. That's not that big of a deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. I had no problem with it. I had no problem with it. It's, 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 it's a way to show and build discipline, plain and simple. 
And there's no, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with a coach going out there and publicly dressing down his team. There's no, there's nothing wrong with that because guess what? If he didn't, it's his ass in the jackpot. Hmm. I think Joe judge would be, is more receptive to being the loser in the public PR department than in the giants ownership PR department. If you get my gist. Yes. He would rather be still on the good side of the ones that sign his check at the end of the week. Well, honestly, that public hairdryer kind of reminds me of that game between whole city and Manchester city. True. Which is very very fun. Very true. Um, Adam, who are you blaming for this fight? Are you blaming Corey Clement? Are you blaming Logan Ryan? Are you blaming Evan Ingram? Are you blaming Daniel Jones? Are you blaming Joe Judge? How can I blame Corey Clement for are getting... You bl- are you, are you going to blame Pat Shermer? Because everyone just likes to blame Pat Shermer for everything. How about, how about Ben McAdoo? You could blame Ben McAdoo as well. Or how about Jerry Reese? You could blame Jerry Reese. Or Dave Gettleman. You could just blame Dave, Dave Gettleman. Well, at least if I blame Dave Gettleman, I'll blame somebody that's currently employed by the Giants organization. How about John Mara? You could blame you could blame him. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. You can't blame. There isn't when a fight like that happens. You can't blame one person. Oh, sure you can. I mean, maybe I, maybe I don't know. Logan, I don't know. I blame Evan Ingram for kind of going after Logan Ryan because really I think like the coach should have just pulled Logan Ryan aside and be like, why the fuck did you just do that? Or like, I blame I Joe judge. We're having a very disciplined, undisciplined football team. Okay. It's disgraceful. It's shocking. I mean, the well, NFL, know, the NFL needs to look at the giants very severely. And the NFL needs to look at banning the giants from all play for a season. Perhaps permanently. It, it was just that that shocking. It was that terrible of a display. Oh yes, you said that I'm biased. No bias here. No bias here. I was I was appalled by what I saw. Absolutely, it's just sickening, terrible, awful. Um. So one thing. No, actually, no. Don't get rid of the Giants. We need Jason Garrett to keep his job. <laughs> so that way, Jerry Jones can't rehire him. This kind of reminds me of that. I mean, I know it's a movie, but. In Major League Two, when like the the Indians are losing, like to start the season, they're on like a really long losing streak, and then everybody on the team like it's the the first game of a doubleheader, and everybody gets into a fight. Like the entire clubhouse gets into a fight with each other, and then they start winning, and then they end up going to the World Series. How does this sound? Assistant to the owner, Jason Garrett. What? Yeah. If Jason Garrett gets fired as Giants offensive coordinator, you know Jerry Jones is going to be dialing the phone to bring his son Jason Garrett back. You can't even you can't even say that that's not a possibility because we all know it is. Of course Ah, Jason Jerry Jones, Dallas Cowboys. Apparently, so Rich Zimini just tweeted 15 minutes ago. There was a brief scuffle at uh, Jets practice sparked by Gerard Davis. And he, he's quoted as saying, or Rich me said, and I quote, it certainly wasn't Giants-like. Okay, good. Okay, good. 
But uh, thank goodness. I, but speaking of the Jets, I mean, Elijah Moore has looked so good at practice at practice at training yes. camp. It's yes, so great to see. He's looked very, very, very good. Um, before we move on to the, ma- the main uh, crux of the uh, the podcast, um, how sad is it that the Giants are not on Hard Knocks? Pretty sad. Terrible. Awful. Yeah. What I would do to have that fight be on Hard Knocks? Oh my god. I mean, and also listening to Joe Judge's uh, public hair dryer, that would be like on the let's go get a goddamn snack levels of iconic hard knocks moments. Oh, we would there need to be obscene amounts of popcorn consumed for that. It's the one time where I'd be like, thank God HBO does not have uh, censors for foul language. Thank God. Hey, see you Tuesday night. Because then it would just be bleeps. It would just all be bleeps. Damn straight. We don't like bleeps. We don't like bleeps. We like we like stone cold language. Yeah. See you Tuesday night. All right. So let's move on to the mailbag. Mailbag. Love the mailbag. You told me before we went on air, you have 15 questions, huh? 15 questions. We emptied it. Phenomenal. We emptied the mailbag. This is it. 15, I can't wait. 15 questions. Of course, if you want to send in more questions, I've left links to everything in the episode descriptions. So definitely go check it out and send in your questions because we hopefully, if we do get more questions, we will do one more mailbag before the start of the season. And then we'll do mailbags on and off throughout the season, but not so much because we do have a lot to do during the season. And a little programming note for uh, for everybody. Uh, Tuesday, August 24th, there is going to be a live draft episode. Adam and I will be doing episode one of the co-own Ed Adam Road to Glory team. Very excited for that. Adam is just smiling ear to ear right now. In case you I am now. It. Well, he was smiling before. He just wasn't expressing it. And then Tuesday, September. No, excuse me. Thursday, September 2nd. Thursday, September 2nd. So it's. I think it's five weeks from when you're listening to this episode, I believe, if my math is right. Thursday, September 2nd, 8 o'clock, will be a live draft. Adam, are we doing that on YouTube? Was that, is that the plan? Yeah, I believe we're doing it on YouTube. Okay, so then the, the, the co-own, we're doing it strictly podcast. The 10-man redraft is going to be on YouTube, correct? Well, we could do both on YouTube. Okay. If we want, If you want to. I mean, I'm down. Okay. I'm down. All right. So, yeah, both of them will be on YouTube. We will leave uh, YouTube links in the uh, description when I get those from Mr. Adcaster himself. And, uh, yeah, follow me. Follow me and Adam on all the socials. I'll get Adam's socials, put them down. And, uh, yeah, I will. uh, I'll be hyping this bad boy up. Very exciting stuff. I really do have to brush up on all my uh, athlete names or, uh, you know, number my athlete numbers. So. Very exciting stuff. <laughs> no, well, just just for these for these questions. Oh, I know. Yeah. So first off, yep. I'm going to go with my favorite number, my oh. actual favorite number, because now we're now we're up to it. Okay. And that's Carlos Beltran, number fifteen. Okay, great one. Why the fuck did why didn't you fucking swing Carlos Beltran anyway? You're gonna love this one. Okay. This one comes from Nick. Where is Nick from, Adam? Well, if it's anything like my Nick, 
He's from Monmouth Junction, New Jersey. Monmouth Junction, New Jersey. Okay, perfect. Nick says, I have a sneaky feeling about Sam Darnold this year. As a Jets fan, he is now walking in as the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers and has the best group of offensive players that he has ever played with. What am I missing about Sam Darnold being ranked outside the top 20? Is he worth a late round flyer? It's his fundamentals. Sam Darnold just Adam Gaze really fucked with Sam Darnold's fundamentals. And it's not just Adam Gaze. It's also playing on really bad, like a really, really, really dog shit team kind of fucks with your fundamentals where you're always, you're always on the move. Like Sam Darnold was always running because the offensive line was so bad. Um, It just seemed like he couldn't make like basic throws a lot of like a lot of the time last season he as long as joe brady and matt rule can really fix his mechanics then yeah sam Darnold has a potential to be like a top 15 quarterback because he has christian mccaffrey and robbie anderson and dj moore and ian thomas but if they don't fix sam Darnold's mechanics and sam Darnold was constantly making the same mistakes that he was making his rookie year like, it seems like you, he wasn't really learning at all. And plus, he has an injury history. You know, with the, he has mono in 2019. He had, a, I think it was an ankle or a foot issue in 2018, his rookie year. And he had another, uh, like, lower body injury last year that kept him out for a couple of games. So, I, I, I don't know. I think that's what you're missing. I mean, you're a Jets fan. You should know that Sam Darnold just did not look good last year. And oh, go ahead, yeah. go ahead. I'll let you finish. No, yeah, he just didn't look good last year. He just it didn't look like he like he his mechanics look sloppy. I'll give the unbiased answer. Yes, Sam Darnold is absolutely worth the look. The Carolina offensive line is better than the Jets offensive line from the last three years combined. The Carolina offensive weapons, they're the best group of weapons that Sam Donald has ever had, even if you stack stack them up individually. McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson obviously counts for both, but you get the point. Those three are better than any other player that he ever had playing with the New York Jets. 100% no questions asked. I don't think it's a mechanics issue necessarily with Donald. I think it's more of a confidence issue. I think Sam Darnold was, for lack of a better phrase, he was just fried. He was completely fried and void of all confidence. That's it. He had nothing. There was nothing there. Matt Rule is an eons better coach than Adam Gaze. And, and, and I think the, the most important part of all, Joe Brady. Joe Brady is the key to all of this because Joe Brady made this Carolina offense look very good last year without its best player in Christian McCaffrey for all of, for all but three games. Joe Brady gave rise to Joe Burrow. Now I'm not saying that Sam Darnold and Joe Burrow are comparable in any way, but they kind of are. They, They kind of are both still, still young guys. 
Joe Burrow came out of nowhere to become the number one overall pick. Sam Darnold is a reclamation project at best. And the where you're going to be drafting him, like you said, Nick, you're drafting him outside the top 20. If you're not drafting even him going at all. To, he's not going to be on the radar of most teams. Now, in a 14-team league, yeah, he, he could definitely be in play for teams that are going to be drafting two quarterbacks. But in a 12, you know, you, you still might be able to not really have a ton of competition for Sam Donald. 10, you'll have none. You will have no competition whatsoever for the services of Sam Donald. So the, the answer to your question is yes, Sam Donald is absolutely worth the flyer. You need a strong starter ahead of him. So if you're gonna if you could pair Donald with a with a Tom Brady, that's terrific. And you see what Sam Donald does, and if need be, you go get another quarterback. Say you say say Donald doesn't live up to the billing, you go get one of Adam's favorite guys in Derek Carr. Done. Yes, I'll say this: I'm not bitter about Sam Donald's tenure with the Jets. I want nothing more than for him to succeed. But I just and. Really, I think that at the cost that you're getting him at, which is basically none, like slim to none, you're really not getting him for a lot. I think Sam Donald is worth it because he's such a buy low. I agree. I agree. Okay. I'm going to go with number nine, Rowan Barrett Jr. All right, number nine. This comes from Hank. Hank is from Hank is from Long Beach, California. Mm-hmm. Hank asks, prepare yourself. Oh boy. Guys, with Deshaun Watson arriving in camp for the Houston Texans, is he worth it to draft late? Hank? Adam, you want me to answer this? Yeah. And I you, think can, we, you can add on anything that I say that I, that I don't say, but I think I'm going to get pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. This is a situation where Deshaun Watson is there. So he will not, and I quote from a great poet, so he won't get fined. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. This is a classic example of Deshaun Watson not wanting to be in Houston. The Texans, I don't think they want Deshaun Watson there either, but they're not going to sell him for pennies. Deshaun Watson's just there, so he doesn't get fined. Plain and simple. Uh, He's dealing with some ankle and foot injuries at this moment in time. He's not practicing. He's just someone that I'm looking to avoid at all costs. Um, I mean, obviously, in in keeper leagues, yeah, he's. I guess he's kind of worth it. If you, get, if you have the deep enough rosters, but in redraft, he is just absolutely not worth it. Plus the ongoing litigation against him. Yeah. Nope. Keeper leagues, worth it to a point. If you have deep enough leagues, redraft, absolutely not. No chance. Well, you really hit the nail on the head there because I, I got nothing else to say. Perfect. Perfect. So we can we can just move on then. That was, that was an easy one. Okay. All right. So we have 15 and 9 down. 15 and 9. Yep. I'm going to go with... Hmm. I'm going to go with Kevin Pillar, noted member of the tribe, Kevin Pillar, number 11. Okay. Okay. This comes from Brandon. 
Brandon says, rank your top five wide receivers with Aaron Rodgers back. Your top, my top five receivers with Aaron Rodgers back. Top five receivers with Aaron Rodgers back. And I'm assuming we're going, we're going to go and we're going to say half PPR. He did not give a scoring format. So we'll just go ahead and say half PPR rank your top five receivers. Okay. You want to go first? Or you want me to go first? You can go first. All right. So I've been very much on the bandwagon of Tyree kill as my number one receiver. <sighs> That's kind of changed. That's kind of changed. I can't hide it. I can't hide it. Devontae Adams is my number one receiver. Now, uh, Tyreek Hill is my number two, but it's very close. It's very close between Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. I don't think that there is a lot to separate them. Tyreek Hill right now dealing with knee tendonitis. So that's something that you really want to uh, to monitor, but that shouldn't be anything too severe um, in, the, in the long run. So I wouldn't necessarily worry about it too much. Uh, so we have Devontae Adams, number one, Tyreek Hill, number two. Stefan Diggs is my number three receiver. DeAndre Hopkins is my number four receiver. And I have A.J. Brown as my number five receiver. I know a lot of people are very down on A.J. Brown. I'm not one of those guys. I think A.J. Brown is still going to be very, very, very efficient, very, very good for fantasy. And I'd rather have A.J. Brown over D.K. Metcalf, over Calvin Ridley, over Justin Jefferson, guys that a lot of people do have ranked a lot higher than A.J. Brown. And I'll give you one bonus one because it would I would be remiss of my duties if I didn't say this. Number six receiver for me is Allen Robbins. I figured. Just full disclosure, full okay. disclosure to make sure that so people wouldn't comment and just and just say, oh, well, where's Alan Robinson? Alan Robinson's right there. Don't worry, people. My one question is, yeah. where do you have Calvin Ridley? Calvin Ridley is seven. OK, Calvin Ridley is seven, just right behind Robinson. Mine is kind of similar. The top three is is the top three. Adams, Hill, Diggs. Mm-hmm. I have Hopkins at four, but I'm going to move Robinson up to five. Okay. Okay. Cause I like noted not a not a fan of AJ Brown. At I smell Alan Robinson in the colon. Yeah. I can't wait. I Intrigue. can't wait. Oh my god. If we take if we take Alan Rob if we get Alan Robinson in that colon, oh I'm gonna be doing victory dances. It's gonna be the, the meme team. We'll have Aaron Ro- Alan <laughs> Robinson. Other well, have Logan Paulson. <gasps> yes, we have to take Logan Paulson with a late pick. We have to. Jeremy Sprinkle. <laughs> Jeremy Sprinkle. <laughs> Who else? Who else? Oh, um, Bryson Hopkins. Yes, Bryson have Hopkins. To take, have to take Bryson Hopkins. We have to take Mike Evans for the double immaculate stat line. Yes, have to. Absolutely. Oh, we. Oh, 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 oh! My goodness, me. All right, we're doing this right now. Okay, we're, we're we're before we go on to the rest of the mailbag, we're building a meme team. Okay, for this podcast. So we'll do it. We'll do it. One QB, two running backs, two receivers, a tight end, a flex, and defense kicker. We'll do a kicker. We won't do defense. Okay, okay. there are no meme defenses. There are no meme defenses. Maybe the Texans. We'll just okay. say the Texans because they're just a meme in general. Okay, uh, the quarterback. Hmm. Who is a meme quarterback that we have that we've had? Doesn't need to be currently. Just needs to, just could be all time. 
Oh, all time? Yeah. Jameis, Did- obviously. Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. Silly, silly me. Adam, fantastic shout. Fantastic shout, Jameis. No doubt about it. All right. I, I'm actually writing this down. Okay. I'm writing this down. I'm, I'm taking notes here. Okay. So we have at our quarterback, Jameis Winston, of course. All right. So we have two running backs now. Okay. Hmm. Honestly, I mean, this is, I'm thinking more about our, yes. I have one. Okay. Absolutely 100% have one. Mm-hmm. Zach Moss. Zach Moss. Of Zach course. Moss. Has to be. Has to be. And for for the second one, I'm going to pick Marlon Mack. Return of the Mac. Return of the Mac. Okay. All right. I was no. going to pick Phil Lindsay because he's also a meme running back for us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, I like return of the Mac better. Okay. Okay. So now we are at a uh, receiver to me. Oh, I mean, come on, come on. T Higgins is one. Duh. Really? All right. So we're, we have some debate then. Okay. We have a little, a little bit of a debate because I was me personally, I was thinking it has to be Corey Davis. Well, yes, Corey Davis is one. Corey Davis has got to be one. Um, and I think T Higgins should be one. T Higgins could be one. Hmm. Yeah, that's not a yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll go. I'll go for it. I'll go for it. Or, 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 or this is who I was thinking of. I okay. was trying to go deep into the memory bank here and I got it. Lil Jordan Humphrey. Oh, I didn't even know who the, f- we talked about him last year. We had no idea who Lil Jordan Humphrey was. Who is Jordan Humphrey? L- no, no, no. It's Lil. Lil, Lil? like Lil Wayne. Yes. Lil Jordan Humphrey. So who is he? Uh, he's a receiver for the New Orleans Saints who, who had two catches against the Kansas City Chiefs, one of them being a touchdown. Okay. And we got a question about him if he was worth it that week, I remember. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we'll go, we'll go T. Higgins. We'll go T. Higgins because we are for the memes here. So, all right. So Corey Davis and T. Higgins – Tight end, there really is no other option, is there? No, it's Logan Paulson. It has got to be Logan Paulson. I and then mean, we have, and then we need to flex. He is, he is the captain of this team. Mm-hmm. He is the fucking captain of this team. Uh, the flex, I think we got to roll with another tight end. It, okay. it has to be Jeremy Sprinkle or Bryson Hopkins. Tight end, oh. nice. Has to be one or the other. I'm going to go with Bryson Hopkins because of the cool name. All right, perfect. We'll go. Uh, we'll go. He, I'm not even putting his name down. I'm going tight end, nice. And then, and then for the kicker, there's only one guy. Who is it? Dan Bailey has to be. It's true. Bend it like Bailey. Bend it. Bend it like fucking Bailey. Thank you. Okay, so the meme team that we have constructed: Jameis Winston, Zach Moss, Zach Moss. Thank you. Return of the Mac, Marlon Mack, Corey Davis, the best receiver in the National Football League, T. Higgins, who is drafted at, in, 
extraordinary rate. Do not draft him. Logan Paulson. Great guy. My favorite tight end. Fuck Adam. We need to make a decision. Right now, before I go any further, we forgot mm-hmm. Mike Evans. Ah, oh, shit. I, I think I need to put him in for T. Higgins. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So I'm, pu- I'm putting him in for, for, for T. Higgins. Have to. Because, come on, that's the king of the immaculate stat line. Well, really, it's Logan Paulson, but that's besides the point. Mike Evans is the king of the double immaculate stat line. Yes. Jameis, Zach Moss, Marlon Mack, Zach Moss, sorry. Return of the Mack, Corey Davis, Mike Evans, Logan Paulson, tight end Nice, Bryson Hopkins, and Dan Bailey. That's that's the uh, that's the meme team. There you go. Logan Paulson's such a meme for us that he's transcended podcasts. He he really has. He's fantastic. I, I love him with all my heart. If he is Adam, I, I hope you realize if he is there, we're taking him. Okay. Last round pick. We won't we we won't take a defense. I I don't fucking care. Okay, we'll take Logan Paulson. We will take Logan Paulson. We do it for the memes. If he's there. TBD. We have to do some research on this, but we'll let the audience know. Okay. We have uh, 15, 11, 9. Done. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with hmm, number seven, Jose uh, Reyes slash Raheem Sterling. Oh, okay. Uh, this comes from Lewis. Uh, Lewis is from uh, the UK. He's from the United Kingdom because I took this as being Lewis Hamilton. Okay. So same spelling. We're going, we're going with Lewis Hamilton. UK who drives, uh, who drives uh, for, uh, for Mercedes number 44 for formula one. We stand Mercedes uh, Lewis. Great. The trade I get miles Gaskin and a 14th round pick. I give up Mike Davis and a 10th round pick. Hmm. Would you like me to say it again? Yes. Get. He gets. He acquires. Gaskin in a 14th gives Davis in a 10th. You know, I like that pick. I like that trade for the person who's acquiring Gaskin. So you like it for Lewis? You like it for Lewis Hamilton? Yes, I do. I do like the trade for Lewis Hamilton. Okay. <laughs> Good thing that he find. It's nice to see that he finds time to do fantasy football when he's not winning Formula One races. I completely agree. Completely, totally agree. I mean, he obviously was too busy doing his uh, his pre ranks at um, at the Hungarian Grand Prix last weekend and didn't realize in the middle of the red flag that he probably was better off pitting instead of going around for one lap like he did. And the rest of the field decided to pit to allow Esteban Ocon to win the Grand Prix, but Sebastian Vettel did get DQ'd. So Lewis Hamilton actually did get, did get second. So good, good for my guy, Lewis. So, yeah, I, I like to trade for, for Lewis here because I, I think, I mean, listen, Miles Gaskin and Mike Davis are two guys that we both like as far as like, you know, best of the rest for running backs. And I think that Gaskin's probably in a better situation. I think Gaskin is better than Davis. And I think that, yeah, well, I think what you said about Mike Davis, I think he was either last episode or two episodes ago where you're saying that he's never been the guy yeah. and he probably never will be the guy mm-hmm. just because he, he hasn't had that workload in his career. Mm-hmm. And people are so high on Mike Davis, but you don't really know what, is, what that offense is going to look like 
because of the fact that they still have Calvin Ridley and Matt Ryan likes to throw the ball and that sort of thing. I think that Miles Gaskin really, he's a guy that came out of nowhere to really find his place with the Dolphins and he's, and he was pretty good last year. So I, I like Miles Gaskin more than Davis. Mike Davis. This is, this is a B for me. I like this trade a lot. I actually like it for both ends. Uh, it depends on, on what you're doing, if you're going to keep Gaskin or not and what the price is and if he's going to keep Davis and what the price is. But I think for, for me, I have Gaskin just outside my top 20, very close to being in my top 20. I like him as a sleeper a lot. And as for Mike Davis, yeah, he could be good to start the year. I think Mike Davis is an excellent, excellent sell high. If he has two weeks where he's fantastic, try and sell him. Try and get something for him. Because I just don't see Mike Davis being really, really good for a prolonged period of time. And if the Falcons do sign Deonta Foreman, who they did bring in for a visit, that could be a little bit of an issue for Mike Davis. I don't really think so, but it could be. But I think the second that Mike Davis is a really good performance, I think he's just going to be a a, a top, top candidate to be a sell high person. I think we'll be talking about that pretty quickly if mike davis has a uh, great week one or week two then we'll be really just slamming the desk for you to just get rid of your mike davis shares you know you talked about deontay foreman and i just realized we could have had another running back on our meme team and that's deontay foreman Hmm. yeah we could have we could have maybe over marlon back but zach moss is a mainstay yes well because of that trade that we did where nobody won true that is true. I'm sticking. I'm sticking with Marlon Mack. I'm sticking okay. with Return of the Mack. Return of the Mack. Uh, love that song. It's a great song. It's got a. It's got a uh, funkalicious cheesy beat, as they say. Yes. And uh, yeah, noted one hit one hit wonder, Mark Morrison. Yep. Hey, it's okay. We stand, Mark Morrison. It's okay. All right. So 7, 11, 9, 15. I'm going to go with the Flying Squirrel, Jeff McNeil, number six. Number six. This comes from Israel. Uh, Where's Israel from, Adam? Jerusalem. He's from from Jerusalem. He's from the Holy Land. Yes. Okay. Or Tel Aviv, anywhere in Israel. Okay. So we'll, we'll say Tel Aviv. Perfect. Israel says, what is more worth your time? to spend a second-round pick on Travis Kelsey or to spend a fourth-round pick on Patrick Mahomes? Fantastic question. That is a really good question. The answer is very simple for me. What's your answer? Spend a second-round pick on Travis Kelsey. I Honestly, I agree with you because you, could, because you can get a lot of – because Travis Kelsey is a unicorn, as we've established, and he is unlike anything – he's like any, unlike any other tight end – at the position with Patrick Mahomes, there are quarterbacks that can really get you that kind, not that kind of production, but close to that kind of production. The, the, the gulf between Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller is like grand Canyon Mariana trench. It is very wide, but the gulf between Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Eh, Maybe cracking the sidewalk. Like it's not that it's not that long. 
or it's not that uh, not that wide. Patrick Mahomes is not like he's a he's a great quarterback, but he's not head and shoulders incredible. You have to have him because you can get guys later that do just as well for you, like Ryan Tannehill, Jalen Hurts, Matt Stafford, Joe Burrow, Matt Ryan, um, Derek Carr, my guy. Or even if you want to wait later, you can get Justin Herbert, Dak, Russell Wilson, or Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, Adam, I, compl- I completely 100% agree with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a stat right now. Uh, you could do it one of two ways. You could break this down however you want. But in 15 games last year, Patrick Mahomes had 380.4 fantasy points. Say he posted a, say he did his average per week, which was 25.3 and change fantasy points. That would have put him to level with Josh Allen for fantasy points. He would have been right at 405 fantasy points, which is what Josh Allen finished with. Not much of a difference, right? But then you start going down the list. Kyler Murray, who was drafted pretty much round six, round seven last year in in most drafts, 390 fantasy points. That's a 15-point difference. Aaron Rodgers, a guy who who I took in drafts last year in the 11th round, 387 fantasy points. Then you get down to Mahomes at 380, but then you get down to Deshaun Watson, 376, Russell Wilson, 372, even Ryan Tannehill at 350. It's not that bad. So you you just got to be willing to take the hit with the total points. But here is where I'm talking about. And I'm going to go with this stat because I think it's it's more. I guess it, 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 it what the what's the word I'm looking for, Adam? It makes the point clearer that you don't need to take a quarterback early. Exemplifies the point that you don't need Exemplifies to Exemplifies the point. Thank you. You're welcome. Patrick Mahomes led the way for quarterbacks that played the entire season with 25.3 fantasy points. Dak Prescott, before he went down with the injury, was settling at around 27 fantasy points per game. Then you had that stretch where Marcus Mariota was hovering at around 26 points per game. But in terms of qualified starters, we'll say Mahomes was the leader in that department. But then you had Josh Allen at just 25.32 Mahomes is 25.36. Then you had Kyler Murray, 24.42. Aaron Rodgers, 24.2. Deshaun Watson, 23.5. Russell Wilson, 23.3. Justin Herbert at 22.8. See, so you're really, even if you wanted to compare a guy like, let's say, Kirk Cousins, a guy that not a lot of people really gravitate towards in fantasy football, right? Kirk Cousins gave you, on average, 19.9 points a week. So you're taking a six-point loss from your quarterback position last year if you went from Mahomes to Cousins. That's nothing. Because you could make that up in so many other areas where if you're drafting like a running back in round four instead of a Patrick Mahomes, then settling on a Kirk Cousins, you know? So the answer to the question is, Absolutely 100%. Travis Kelsey is head and shoulders over everybody else. Because then if we go to looking at the tight end position, Travis Kelsey had 207 fantasy points last year, and Darren Waller had 171. 
Travis Kelsey averaged 13.9 points per week in 15 games. Darren Waller averaged 10.7 points per week in 16 games. Granted, this is also in non-PPR, but you get the point. Still, though. I mean, Travis Kelsey had 1,000 yards last year. Yeah. As a tight end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, a, yeah. a thousand, a thousand. I think he, I think he had fourteen hundred. I think he was last year was I think last year he was fourteen hundred and eleven. Fourteen hundred and sixty. My head. No, fourteen hundred and eleven touchdowns. Oh, yes. Yeah, I thought you yeah. meant. Yeah, no. So you had uh, fourteen, sixteen yards, eleven touchdowns, which are all career highs. And I think that was the he broke the record for most receiving yards by a tight end last year. He might have. I'm he pretty sure he did. I think I was I think I was working at the fan that week when he did it. We stand the fan. Stand the fan. But Israel, for, Israel, yes. Travis Kelsey for a second is much, much, much the way to go. Because you're basically taking a receiver, as we've said multiple times. You're taking a receiver in the second round. It's not like you're going completely off board and taking a quarterback. When yep. not a lot of people are taking quarterbacks, you're just taking a receiver, but he plays tight end. Completely agree. I completely 100% agree. All right, Adam, we have one to five, eight, 10, 12, 13, 14. Um, I'm going to pick Joe Willie Namath, number 12. Number 12. This comes from Ryan. Thoughts on the Knicks free agency? Well, I think that. Uh, the Leon Rose knows that uh, this team had a lot of great chemistry and he didn't want to bring in too many players that would mess with the chemistry. But I do. I mean, I like the fact that they brought in Evan Fournier as a, as a scorer off the bench or even as a start, as a starting shooting guard. Um, I like the fact that they let Alfred Payton go, bringing back, bringing back Nerlens Noel and Alec Burks was very solid also because Alec Burks is, was like probably the Knicks only consistent player for most of last season. He was just really, really great in, in that six man role. The most and consistent now, shooter that we had, I would probably say out, outside of Julius Randall during the regular season. Yeah. And also Alec Burks was, was very clutch. Yes. Yes, he was. And I think that he was definitely worth his, he'll be worth his contract. But now with the news that came out uh, before we uh, hopped on air here, that Kemba Walker could be coming to the Knicks, is planning on signing with the Knicks after he was bought up by his contract or bought up from his contract by the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think it's a a solid move. I mean, I want to see the contract, but I think as a guy who can be a veteran presence for Emmanuel quickly um, and also somebody that can play, unlike Alfred Payton, somebody that can actually play the position of point guard and it doesn't. And here's the, the thing. Here's why the Knicks brought in these guys, Fournier and Walker, and also brought back the depth with Noel and Burks. I think they realized that last playoffs, Julius Randall, they were relying on Julius Randall too much. And this is, and these moves are to take the pressure off of Julius Randall. And to have a better supporting cast around him as RJ Barrett develops and as Emmanuel quickly develops. Because the Hawks basically just double team Julius Randle. And then that, and then that's it. Five games, we're done. 
Yeah, but Kemba Walker was also trash during that Nets series. That's also part of the problem is I don't know what Kemba Walker really has left. So that kind of worries me. Uh, the Evan Fournier contract is a disgrace. And that is just ugh, awful. Uh, the Alec Burks deal, I don't mind too much, even though there's, I think it's fully guaranteed. It's just kind of like, all right, you know, whatever. Good, solid guy off the bench. Aren't they always fully guaranteed? No, well, a lot of a lot of them that w- what they were talking about is that they're team options that are that are loaded. Alec Burks, I don't think is. I think Alec Burks is a solid three-year commitment. But the real one that I liked the most was Neurons Noel because yeah, you 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 paid him a three-year deal, getting ten million a year, ten million a year for a elite rim protector in the NBA. That's kind of the going rate, or at the very least, that's the floor of, of what a elite athletic, solid rim protector will get you. So I think the Neurons Noel deal is not too bad. With I Kemba, mean, look, at the, look at the contract that, that Jared Allen got. Oh, monstrous. Monstrous. Yeah. But I think that I, I think with Kemba, where I kind of you know can swallow it a little bit is he's very good defensively. And I think a lot of people kind of said, well, yeah, you had Reggie Jackson out there who is okay defensively. Uh, Dennis Schroeder was out there. John Wall was out there. I don't think any of those guards offer as much defensively as what Kemba Walker can do. And he's from the area. He had probably the biggest game of his entire basketball life happened at Madison Square Garden when he was playing for UConn in the Big East tournament. So I, I can't hate it. I have to see the contract though, but if it's a two-year, maybe a three-year deal, which seems to be the theme with the Knicks, that it could be a three-year deal, I'd be all right with it as long as long as it continues to open ourselves up to bringing in a star player in the next year or two, namely Damian Lillard. Hopefully, maybe. yes. Maybe well, I think that. So people were saying that, oh, the Knicks should get Kemba Walker. But like, but that was when he was a tradable asset. This is a guy that you're just, you're just paying money. You, all you have to give up is money to get Kemba yep. Walker, mm-hmm. which is the best part. Yeah, I know. I love it. I think that maybe the Knicks, I don't know how much the Knicks were in on Kyle Lowry either. I don't think they were in on him too much personally. With the deal that he got from... Miami, I think they're more set on, on re-signing their own guys at first. The, the the one that really scratches my head is you gave Evan Fournier what you gave him, but then DeMar DeRozan signed a three-year $85 million deal with the Bulls. That's the one that I kind of shake my head on and say, okay, why? That Bulls team looks scary, though. The Bulls team looks really good. It's really good. Lonzo. Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and Vucevic. Solid four out of five right there. Really, really, really good. But yeah, overall, overall I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm I'm overwhelmed with the Knicks offseason, but I'm not underwhelmed. I'm kind of, eh. Although I kind of wish that the Knicks would have tried to trade for Lonzo Ball also. I agree. Yeah, I agree. They would have given us a long-term answer at, at guard, but 
Because that contract's not terrible. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if, if you could say to me, it's either Lonzo Ball now or Damian Lillard in a year or two, I'm taking Damian Lillard in a year or two. Yeah, but that's not guaranteed, though. No, it's not. But if you can guarantee that to me, I'm taking Damian Lillard. Or at least, or if you're saying to me, Lonzo Ball on a long-term commitment now or the hope of Damian Lillard in a year or two if the Blazers suck, Damian Lillard in a year or two. I'll take that hope. Okay. All right. So next question. Next question. Oh, by the way, where's Ryan from? I don't know. Where is he from? Lexington, Kentucky. Um, all right. So we have one to four. Actually, excuse me. One to five, eight, 10, 13, 14. I'm going to go with Zach Wilson. Number two. Ooh, happy belated birthday. Number two. Okay. This comes from Chad. Where's Chad from? I don't know. Little Rock, Arkansas. Perfect. Chad says, I'm talking to my commissioner about next year, wanting to start a slow draft for our dynasty rookie draft. What are the pros and cons of a slow draft, guys? I feel like we already did this question a couple a while ago. I think we did as well, but I'll, I'll, we'll do it again because we, we, we like Chad. Chad's a great guy. We do, we, we do like Little Rock, Arkansas as well. It's a great place. I don't know why that was the first place that popped in my head but sure why not we like the razorbacks they're, they're great um I'll, I'll answer this one very quick uh the pro of the pros of a slow draft everyone gets to take their time everyone's get to go about their business everyone i would imagine has about 10 15 minutes during the day where they can sit down make their picks then go about their lives if they can't then they have a whole 24-hour window normally sometimes maybe 12 to make their picks so there's no problem there. The con is a lot of people do get impatient. A lot of people just press it and people just want it done. So it really just depends on what you're looking for and what your league is really looking for as well. If, if people in your league have no problem going a, day, a pick a day and, you know, just milking it, then that's totally fine. But if you're of the ilk or if your league is of the ilk where they want to get a draft done, a rookie draft done, like in this instance, then you just get the rookie draft done. You go on, you hop on Zoom, you do a rookie draft in 25, 30 minutes, and you're done. Yeah, I mean, I have nothing, I don't really have a leg to stand on here because I've never done a slow draft. Slow drafts are not fun, but slow, I, drafts, slow drafts suck. As a guy who doesn't have the patience to play golf, I don't think that I would really enjoy doing a slow draft slow drafts are awful because you never you never really know when the clock is going to be on you if that's the way you do it because i know what, what a lot of what a lot of leagues do is everyone just has a designated day where they make their picks which i'm fine with which i'm fine with if you know that if you're in the middle of a slow draft and you know you're on the clock tomorrow august 6th at 12 midnight and you go all the way to Saturday, August 7th, midnight, then, you know, you have that whole day to make the pick and you know that next person's picking the next day, no problem. But sometimes, you know, someone will make their pick in five minutes and say you're out on an excursion with your wife at the vineyards and, oh, surprise, so-and-so just made their pick. You're on the clock to for your, for your slow draft and you have 24 hours to make that pick and you're out getting 
blasted at the wineries. Then you have to come home, you sleep, and then you're going to get up the next day and have three, four hours to make a pick for a slow draft. It's not fun. It, it, it's, it's just not fun that way. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'd just be like, I, I already know who I'm picking. Like, I'd be the guy that would pick in 50, in like five minutes because I would just be like, I know who I'm picking. I mean, I guess if you want to like do trades and stuff, maybe that's the only pro for a slow draft that I would yeah, think. But you, you would trade out of the pick just because you're not there to make the pick. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm just saying having like 24 hours would give you the time to oh, discuss sure, trades. Sure. Okay. That's and fair. Work something out. That that's would be fair. the one pro that I could think of of a slow draft. Well, I think that it makes live drafts and like fast drafts, if you want to call them that, more fun that you're working on these trades. If you're even working on trades, you know, you're up against it, gives you more time or it makes people more decisive and it just gets everything moving along. And it's just more fun when you have everybody in the same room or everybody in the same like lobby talking shit while people are drafting. We like shit talking. Okay. One, three, four, five, eight, 10, 13, 14. Um, I'm going to go with Claudio Bravo, number one. Okay, this is, this is the question. This is from Dave. Where is Dave from? Dave is from Des Moines, Iowa. Thoughts on Jonathan Taylor now with the injuries? <sighs> this is... The question now. The, the question now. Couple things. Quentin Nelson has said that he still plans on being ready for Week One, which is absolutely nuts to me. So we'll see. Good luck with that. Yeah. Two. Ryan Kelly with the elbow injury. He is slated to be ready to go for Week One. That's good. So he's got the offensive line working for him, Jonathan Taylor. With the quarterback situation, yeah. It's shot. It's shot. If it's Jacob Eason, it could, I could see it being good and I could see it being bad. Bad because obviously Jacob Eason is not a starting caliber quarterback as of right now in this league. But the good is the coaching staff knows this. They want to utilize their running backs more, which means more work for Jonathan Taylor more work for Marlon Mack, more work for Naeem Hines. Naeem Hines can become a very solid flex play, actually, in PPR leagues if Jacob Eason's going to be the starter right away because I think they'll really center in on a lot of short yardage stuff, a lot of think and dunk sort of deal. And even if Marlon Mack is there, and I get this question a lot about, you know, how could I like Jonathan Taylor so much when Marlon Mack is there? If Marlon Mack gets you t- gets 10 carries a game with Jacob Eason there, I don't think it's really going to matter that much. I really don't. If it's 10 carries for, for Marlon Mack and say 20 carries for Jonathan Taylor, I don't think it matters that much, honestly. Yeah, I mean, Jacob Eason, they said he's going to play the full first half of the, of a, the preseason, the first as preseason game, as, as he, he should. should. But I think, I mean, didn't they say that um, or did they sign Brett Hundley also? They yep, they did. So that's just another person. Yeah, that... it's a body. It's a body there. So you know there'll be there'll be a competition. We'll 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 see where it goes. But yeah, as of right now, Jonathan Taylor, I like him more in the second round. 
I don't love him so much in the first round, but depends on circumstance. And we do have a question about uh, Jonathan Taylor and rankings. So I'll just save that for when we get to the question. Okay. All right. So we have three, four, five, eight, 10, 13, 14. Okay. I'm going to go with my boy, Chad Pennington, number 10. Number 10. This comes from Jacob. This is a question for me. Uh, ideal auction setup. Okay. Here's how I would do it, Jacob. The ideal auction is one quarterback, two running backs, three receivers, one tight end, one flex, one defense, one kicker, seven bench spots. Starting budget, 200 bucks. Fab, 200 bucks. Very important. Very, very, very important in an auction. Do not use waivers. Waivers suck. Do fab. We love fab. We stand fab. How many times can I say fab in a span of five minutes? Fab, fab, fab. Fab it up. The only limit is time and your imagination. Thank you, Adam. Fab it up. Fab, fab, fab. Um. If you're looking for roster, if you're looking for team size in an auction, I usually say 10 or 12 is okay because when you get to 14, you get crazy bidding on guys that really have no business being drafted at all. Um, but yeah, ideally 200 bucks to build a roster and then 200 bucks worth of fab is the way that, that I would, that I would go in terms of ideal uh, auction setup. And Jacob is from uh, Tokyo, Japan. Okay. Sure. All right. Uh, three, four, five, eight, 13, 14. Man, I can't think of a lot of players for four. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Emmanuel quickly. Five. You're going to go with number five. Okay. Oh, okay. This comes from Will. Will says, guys, who is your favorite footballer? Not on Arsenal or Man City. So I can't pick Arsenal. You can't pick Man City. And I cannot take Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh, that's easy. Lionel Messi. Messi? He's he's phenomenal. That's that's horrifying. Um, hmm. I can't. I can't pick someone on Arsenal, but I can't. Who, who has played for Arsenal? But I can't take Ronaldo. Um. Jesus, that's really hard. That's really, really, really hard. Um, do I go current or do I go? Oh, he did. He didn't say it has to be. It has to be current. So I can go. I, I'm going to go all time here. Um, I'm going to go with. Hmm. 
No, I, you know what? I'm going to go with the Jean-Louis Buffon. Okay. Love him. Handsome, handsome man. Handsome devil. Beautiful, beautiful man. Okay. Uh, I found one for did, four. Did we say where Will is from? No. I'm going to um, say Will is Will from, from Manchester, England. Manchester, England. Perfect. Okay. Three, four, eight, 13, 14. I found one for four. This okay. is actually fitting because it's around the trade deadline. Wilmer Flores. Okay. Love Wilmer, Wilmer Flores. Flores. This comes from Steve. Steve is from Orlando, Florida. Okay. Steve says, guys, since we've all been home and we've had the ability to take in all kinds of media all over the over the last year, very Very eccentric question. I feel like I'm in uh, Lawrence Herbert School of Communication with this one. What is the best music album you have heard in the last year? Fuck. Oh, okay. I got one for this. Okay. So my friend Adam, uh, who I've known since high school, he has a record player that he got from his grandparents' house. And he has Starboy, the, the album by The Weeknd. Yeah, Starboy on vinyl. Oh, you've told me this. Yes. Well, I haven't told you've not told you've not told the audience this. Yes, I haven't told everybody this. So he has uh, Starboy on vinyl, which is a really cool looking record because it's like red. It's so awesome looking. That is and sick. So we listened to Starboy on vinyl, and it is really good. And I I think it's a great album. Anyway, but it sounds even better on vinyl. If uh, some of the younger listeners. Or people that just didn't don't have access to a record player, I'd highly recommend listening to at least one or two songs on vinyl. Oh, listening to anything on vinyl is, is way better. It's a completely different experience. Yeah, I agree. Um, for me, I, I, I'm a country guy, so I'm just gonna know everything country off the back of my hand. Um, best album that I've listened to over the last year, without a doubt, was um or is, because I, st- I still listen to it all the time, is uh, the Marfa tapes. It's uh, Jack Ingram, Miranda Lambert, and John Randall. They basically all gathered up in the middle of the pandemic and camped out in the wilderness in the middle of Marfa, Texas, and recorded an album. Live, outside. Wow. Good for them. Over the course of... However many days unedited unedited. They had to just cut it where songs end and just split it up. But other than that, it's just strings and soul, I guess. See, that's gotta be like a, a producer's nightmare recording an album outside in a field. I think they produced themselves. Well, still, I think, I think it's gotta be, gotta be tough. Recording oh, an album without a outside. Doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. And not something that I would ever want to be a part of. As we've experienced as students at the Lawrence Herbert School of Communications, yes. it is very hard to record things outside. Oh, yes, it is. It is borderline impossible. Yep. Borderline impossible. Unless you the the best mic in the world. But even then, you're still going to catch a bird taking a shit somewhere on that mic. Unless you found a way to ask God to stop the wind. <laughs> yeah, true. Forever. 
True. for the next like five minutes. Unless you're the most holy of holy men and you are able to get the wind to stop. Hey, cut that shit out. I'm trying to record here. <laughs> All right. Uh, three, eight, 13, 14. Um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to give you a little fan service here. I'm going to go with Alex Rodriguez. Ah, ah, what a guy. Cheater. Love him. But still. Love him. Okay. This comes from Trevor. Trevor is from Jacksonville, Florida. Is he actually from Jacksonville, Florida? Uh, no, he is from Jacksonville, Florida. Okay. Because he asked about Trevor Lawrence. Oh. Trevor asked about Trevor. So this is Trevor Lawrence. Asking about Trevor Lawrence, yes. You have to, you have to word this question in the first person. Trevor Lawrence is asking about Trevor Lawrence. Hey, Bird, where did you draft me? <laughs> Guys, where am I ranked? Uh, rank the QBs. Matt Ryan himself. So Trevor Lawrence is yep. in this conversation. Matt Ryan himself, Joe Burrow, Matt Stafford. Um, I would rank. I rank. Ryan Stafford. Lawrence Burrow. Wow. We are complete opposite. For I me, would it, I me, could flip Stafford and Ryan. But yeah. We are complete opposite. Okay. Burrow, Stafford, you Trevor, and Matt Ryan. I like them all. I like them all. But that's the way I would rank them. All right. Uh we have 14, 8, and 3. Okay. Obama Yang. Obama Yang, Obama Yang, Obama Yang, Obama Yang. Oh, is he 14? Mm-hmm. Okay. You want 14. You don't want 14. Uh, this is Ken. Adam, where's Ken from? Ken is from New York. He's from New York, New York? New York, New York. Okay. He's Ken Masters from Street Fighter. Oh, he is? Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, you're not going to like Ken too much because Ken called you out. Oh, that sucks. Because I love Ken Masters. Well, Ken just called you out. What do you say? This is from Ken. Okay. Ken says, Adam, I completely disagree with you on your take regarding Lamar Jackson. Even if he goes in round five, that is still a quarterback that will provide a thousand yard rushing upside to discount the lack of throwing. Defend yourself. I am going to turn off my mic. And I'm going <laughs> to let Adam have a go with this. I'm Bird, did not you write saying this a qu- word. Did you write this question? No, I did not. This is this. I I could have. I could have wrote this question. I I'm like, what the fuck is this? I could have wrote wrote questions. I could have wrote this fucking question. So, Adam, have at it. Um, okay. I listen. I I think the rushing upside obviously is there with Lamar Jackson. That that has been, um, yeah, that's been stated. We know that. But in round five or round six, you can you can really wait for you can wait for quarterbacks, and there's so many good options for quarterbacks after Lamar Jackson would be picked. Um, and also my, you know, Lamar Jackson's throwing ability also has kind of, you know, it's not it's not ideal for me, but that's that's just me personally. Um. 
I still think that you're if you wait long enough for uh, for quarterbacks, then you can get a good guy. And you, you don't have to. T- you don't have to take Lamar Jackson. I'm gonna defend Adam on one point that he made, and that is that you do not need to take Lamar Jackson. However, the value for him is terrific, and he gives you that elite rushing upside. Lamar Jackson's the best rushing quarterback you're going to find. Plain and That's simple. That's true. So if you are leaning towards heavy, heavy rushing upside, that's Lamar Jackson. That's your guy. You you go get him. But if you're looking for someone that does throw the ball like Adam definitely does with his quarterbacks, then Lamar Jackson's not the guy. So I'll defend Adam on that point. But to say Lamar Jackson's going to bust, I didn't say I never. I never said he was going. Really, 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 Adam, bust? Maybe not. You said on the bus show, and I quote: "I even the bold prediction show. I forget what it was. I'll have to go back. It was the bold prediction show. So that's a bold prediction. That's not like a whatever." Well, a lot of people were very offended by that one. A lot I'm of sure they were. Very, very, very offended. Okay. Are, 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 did you enjoy going at Ken? Yeah. I, I don't know. Well, this is what fantasy football is all Adam, about. Adam, you're so not non-confrontational. Tell Ken to go fuck himself. No. I can't do that to a loyal listener of the podcast. Ken, go fuck yourself. There you go. Bird said it, not me. I, I'm man of the people, though. If you, I, I, well, listen, if you wrote the question, if you're if you're masquerading as Ken because you wanted to uh, go at me for my Lamar Jackson take. Never. Then... I would never do such a thing. Okay. Believe me, if I wanted to go at you for your Lamar Jackson take, I would have put question 14 from Bird. Where is Bird from? Huntington, New York. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we have two more. We have uh, Bakri Sanya and we have Mikel Arteta. Well, I'm going to go with Ruben Diaz, actually. And that's number three. Excuse me. Excuse me. Bakri Sanya played for Man City, too, but oh, uh, this is from Paul. Um, Paul is from um, Warsaw, Poland. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I have no idea. I want, I, want, I want it to be international. Paul says. You could have picked literally any other place besides uh, Warsaw, Poland. <laughs> that was the one that came to me. That was all that came to me. He's from Rome, Italy. No, I actually will tell you where, where Warsaw, Poland came from. Okay. I was watching last night. I was watching um, Derby Days. Oh, thank Have God. Have you seen those? And uh, the Warsaw Derby okay. was the one that was highlighted. Very, very good. If anybody hasn't seen Derby Days, very good. Copa 90, go check them out. Very, very There's good. There's literally two different – there are only two directions that you could have gone with that. And I was really hoping that you were going to go something sports-related. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, because oh, it was. when you said I was watching a documentary about Warsaw, Poland, I was like, no, please don't talk about that. No, oh, no, God, please, no. no, please oh, don't talk about that. No, no, I was watching Darby Days. Okay. Great, great, great stuff. Um, okay. This comes from Paul Warsaw, Poland. I, I think he's more of a uh, Liga Warsaw fan more than anything else, but a lot to some. Paul says, half PPR rank them. This goes with Jonathan Taylor. Okay. Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, Joe Mixon, Antonio Gibson, J.K. Dobbins. Okay. I'm going to go with Gibson, Dobbins, Taylor, 
Who is who else? Jonathan Taylor. Yes. Saquon Barkley. Yes. Joe Mixon. Okay. Antonio Gibson, J.K. Dobbins. So I'm going to go with Gibson, Dobbins, Taylor, um, Mixon, Barkley. I'm sorry. Come again. <laughs> wow. Um, wow. Sheesh. Um, for me, it is. Oh, wow. This is actually hard. I mean, I haven't adjusted my ranks yet. So this is part of the problem. I'm going with Taylor, Gibson, Barkley, Mixon, Dobbins. Okay. Well, I just don't like Barkley. I just don't want to draft. Well, okay, maybe I'm. I don't want to draft Barkley either. I'm maybe I'm being too hard. I think maybe I'm being too hard on him, but I just don't. I'd rather have those guys I over Barkley. You, I don't think you're being too hard on him. I, I I think you just clearly don't want to draft Barkley. And to be fair, I don't. I don't. I don't blame you. I don't, I wouldn't want to draft Barkley either. There's too there's too much of a risk associated with drafting Saquon Barkley, but. I got to rank him. I, yeah. I, I have to be the one that, that, that puts him in a spot. And, you know, I don't want to be the guy that's too low on Barkley, but it, can, can there an argument? Is there an argument that can be made that Saquon Barkley should not be ranked inside someone's top 15? Yes, absolutely. There is 100% a very good argument that can be made about that. But out of those guys, I, I'd rather have all of them over, over Barkley because Mixon and Gibson are like, right inside the top 10. Um, Taylor still has the upside if Carson Wentz comes back mm-hmm. at a reasonable point in the season. And he has the offensive line still. And he has the offensive line still. J.K. Dobbins still has upside as well. I think, really, I mean, the only guys that have question marks um, would really be Mixon, Taylor, and Barkley. Couldn't and I think, agree more. And I think the, the biggest question mark is for Barkley. And mm. yeah, interesting. I think the biggest question mark right now is Taylor. Well, Barkley, yeah, you know, you know, he's got the health issues. Yeah, Taylor, you don't know if he's going to be good because of all the issues that are surrounding his team right now. That's that's true. a massive question mark. And it's not even about him; it's just about his team in general. It's about his offense. Which two weeks ago. We did not have this issue. We did, we're not even talking about Jonathan Taylor having any downside at all. Maybe exactly. the downside was Marlon Mack and Naeem Hines, but it wasn't enough for me to just you know go out and just say, oh, yeah, Jonathan Taylor's not going to be good. Well, yeah, it was negligible. At that point. Yeah, now, now I'm questioning it. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm having a ripe old think about this, but. I'm sticking with mine. I, I like Jonathan Taylor the most. If you can get him in round two, I love it. Um, if you compare him with an Eckler, that's great. And make Jonathan Taylor your RB2. If you're making him your RB1, that's a little bit of a concern. But if you're making him your RB2, I don't mind it. Well, honestly, that would be crazy. That would be like really good to get Eckler and Taylor as your two running backs. I think it would be. No, I think it would be as well. That would be a coup. That would be a coup d'etat, as yeah. I say. All right, eight. This comes from Greg, and Greg is 
from Cleveland, Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio. Perfect guys. I feel like you haven't talked enough about the rookie running backs yet. Which ones are your favorite and which ones are you staying away from? Well, you're absolutely right. We don't talk about the rookie running backs a lot. We talked them. Uh, we talked about them a whole bunch last year. And we just haven't talked about them at all this year. Yep. So he's right. He's 100% right. Um, well, you know that we like Michael Carter, both of us. Yeah. As, as far as rookie running backs are concerned. We do indeed. Uh, you're a big fan of Najee Harris as well. Yep. Yep. And I can agree with you on that one. And then Travis Etienne, I'm kind of like, I'm a bit shaky on. Hmm. I'm going to say this about Travis Etienne. He's taking a lot of the pass catching work for the Jaguars. So in PPR, he might be okay to start. But I really am liking James Robinson early on. Apparently, word coming out of Jacksonville is that he looks to be in very, very good shape. Uh, he's developed much more of a meaner attitude this year. Like he's fighting for his job because I mean, well, he is. So I like James Robinson to start. I like ETN as more of a PPR flex play. I kind of worry with ETN about how they're going to utilize him. I think James Robinson is more of the in-between the tackles guy. Whereas ETN is more of that outside the tackles, shifty, pass catching guy that will run across the middle and gain, you know, 15, 20 yards on reception just because of his footwork sort of guy. So I think both have some sort of appeal. I just don't know, you know, really if you want to go and invest in that backfield. But if I had to pick one guy, it would probably be Robinson to start. And then, you know, again, he's kind of like a Mike Davis, James Robinson is if he pan if he goes off the first couple of weeks, he might be worth a sell. Uh, Javante Williams is a guy that it definitely intrigues me as well um, for basically for the reason of, I just don't think Melvin Gordon is going to keep that job in Denver and Javante Williams schedule is terrific. I believe he has the eighth easiest. If I remember correctly with the Denver Broncos, uh, their run schedule this year. So That's correct. look at me genius. So I think, with Javante Williams, he just has to win that job, and I think he will be fine. And my favorite, of, my favorite of the bunch outside of Najee Harris, but everyone knows about Najee, is Michael Carter Jr. I mean, he, excuse me, Michael Carter, Michael Carter. I saw, I saw Terrence Marshall Jr. on my on my ranks. I had to pull up my rookie ranks, and I had them back to back. So I saw Michael Carter, and my eyes just dropped down to Junior, and it was Therese Marshall. So Michael me. Carter Jr. That's like Michael a Carter Jr. Yeah. It sounds like a, it sounds like a, another athlete that exists. It sounds like it could be a rapper for all I know. I think that's isn't that Lil Wayne's like real name? Is it? Is it? I I I, I don't know. It might be Dwayne Michael Carter Jr. Yeah. So weird. The more you know, the more you know. The more you know. Uh, yeah. Michael yeah. Carter. Michael Carter has some really or yeah, Michael Carter has some pretty solid matchups schedule wise. Javante Williams, I mean, going up against Jacksonville, the Raiders, the Cowboys, the Lions, the Raiders twice, really. And Michael also, Carter just has to win the job. Yeah. That's it. But and I think Michael Carter ha is on the inside track to win the job. I hope so. I really hope so. Because, my God, if he, if he wins the job, oh, 
I'll love it. I'll love it. I'll love it. I'll love it. I think if uh, Michael LaFleur runs the typical Shanna plan offense, then uh, Michael Carter might be in a committee with Tevin Coleman and Michael Pirine. But I just don't think that's going to happen because Michael Carter is a solid running back. And I think he'll win that job outright. But uh, yeah, I think that he's still like definitely worth a pickup. Wholeheartedly worth a pickup. Yeah, I think so. I think he's worth drafting. Quite honestly. Well, that's I think, what I mean. I think he's worth drafting. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll draft him. I I think, you know, got to fill that quota, have one New York Jets player on your team. And Michael Carter is the guy. Yeah, I think so as well. All right. That's it. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basin Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. You can find all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. For my co-host, Ed Birdsall, I am Adam Castor, and we will talk to you next time on the Basin Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Bye-bye.